My name is John Dorland. We are doing Dealing with Debt in, which, which track is this? Mobilize. Mobilize track. Okay. All right. Uh, let's start with this. Now, uh, most of you guys are too far along in your journey to get maximum benefit, but nuts and bolts. This is a nuts and bolts finance class with faith. If you have uh, not already made all these mistakes, it's a good book to read. If you have made these mistakes, this class is desperately going to be needed for you to help you fulfill God's call in your life. Um, there's a church planning uh, organization uh, out of Nashville. And they say there's two legs for all ministry. One is the call of God. You have to have a heart that burns for what God's putting you to do. The other leg is finance. If you don't have both legs, you're not going to be able to stand. Now, how many of you grew up in a wealthy home? How many of you did not grow up in a wealthy home? My father grew up in a wealthy home, but not a generationally wealthy home. My grandfather was a real estate tycoon in New York back in the day. Now, his idea of financial acumen at the time, this is just when credit cards are coming out, he had his little billfold, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, they had these little plastic inserts that you flip open for your different cards, and he literally could hold his hand out like this, flip it over, and it would go all the way down to the floor with all the credit cards that he had. And all those credit cards, what he would do at that time, you could just float money. And so he'd be working together, putting his big deals together, and, and he would live on credit. Then when the big deal happened, he would pay all his credit cards off, go on vacation for two months, and then work on the next big deal. When he retired, he had 48 mortgages that he owned. So people were paying monthly to him these mortgages, and he died with less than $10,000 to split between the four kids. His financial acumen was such that he was always able to out-earn his stupidity. Nothing that he did actually helped generationally or fulfill God's call for his life. He just lived his whole life, earned a bunch of money, and spent it all on himself. Now, my dad grew up in a home where that was normal. And so he had no financial understanding. And we got a lot of bumps and bruises as a result because not everyone's a New York real estate mogul, right? So learning the basic nuts and bolts of finance now 
sets you on a trajectory that because God is God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Honestly, we're supposed to leave an inheritance for our grandkids. But there's principles that, that, that go into that leaving the inheritance for your grandkids, right? If you don't know um, financial principles, learn them now. Living with margin. Do a study throughout the Bible. Do you know that the Jewish people group are one of the wealthiest people groups in the entire world? Like per capita. Do you know why? God said, hey, this is how you're supposed to deal with money. And he gave them a formula. And their relationship with the Lord is a very practical one. So they like wear things and do things and you're like, that is super weird. But it's practically how they're living out their relationship with the Lord. And um, the pastor who's been sharing every, every session is talking about one of, the, one of the core values that they had is if you're prosperous, that means God blessed you, right? Now, how many of you felt like, oh, that means I am totally blessed, But when they live, uh, there is nuts and bolts with finances. And God wants you to be totally blessed. When I, uh, I grew up doing crown financials, my dad was desperately trying to help us to do, uh, get financial house in order. Um, we, uh, my dad had his own business when I was, or started when I was one, when I was 11. He shut it down because a pastor at the time, he was in a church, pastor told him, if you're getting behind your bills, you're being a bad Christian, you shut your business down and get a job. So he did. Now, the pastor didn't actually have any business acumen at all. And my dad was earning with five kids a decent income through his business. But it's just the, the construction field that he was working in is cyclical and it's just the nature of it. Um, and the only job that my dad could get was earning 20% of what he was earning before. And so from 11 all the way through college, it was rough. So my dad said, I'll pay, uh, we'll help you pay for college or for a car. And so God blessed me as being large, so football paid for my college. Um, and I was able to graduate debt-free. I paid $100 for college. How great would that be, right? Now, how many of you are going to be debt-free graduating college? One, two, three, four. That, now, the journey that you're on being debt-free is going to be so much better for you. Because you're not having to overcome. You're able to right now start to take steps to live a life that's going to be prosperous generationally. Now, how many of you are not going to be debt-free when you graduate college? All right, how many of you are going to um, be debt-free except for student loans? Okay. Just student loans? Oh, yeah. Okay. How many of you have credit card debt for living in college and student loans? It's okay. I have my hand up because I got my first credit card in college and I thought I was super cool. <laughs> And I swiped it, right? And you swipe it, and you swipe it, and you swipe it, and you swipe it, and then the bill comes down. Oh, 
well, I got this much, and my bill is this much, and we'll just roll it. It'll be all right. We'll just roll it over. But you don't realize the little pennies that they're pulling. That's why all the big buildings are credit cards and banks. Because the big buildings, they're pay, building those big buildings based on your interest rates. Um, so we started with Crown. Crown is a great, uh, great financial, biblical viewpoint on money. There's, uh, there's a verse. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Root of all evil, right? Yeah. And so then there's whole portions of Christianity that, that feel like, if I don't have money, then I'm loving the Lord. <laughs> now, that's not what God wants, because he wants all of us to live a life like more abundantly, right? Then there's the other side that still believes the lie that says, unless you're prosperous, then God's not blessing you, Right? And they have a name and a claim it and all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You've heard all this. This. <clears throat> now the truth is, we have faith. <clears throat> we have to have an uh, understanding of money that God is our source. He uses the job that we have or the team that we've built to flow through. But God is our source, right? That's the... Now, we, as stewards of that source, have to be good stewards. I didn't know how to do that. I had the kingdom mindset. Yes, God is my source. God owns everything that I have. And I give everything I have to Him. But I didn't have any nuts and bolts to start to build a life that I'll be able to generationally, if you want to close the door, you can. Uh, generationally leave stuff for my grandkids. Yet that's what God calls us to. A blessed man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So how do you build that life? Now, when I got married, I married my wife. I was 24. She was 21. We didn't have any debt coming into marriage. It was a blessing. My brother, when he graduated school, he had racked up student loans. He graduated in 2008. When he started, the economy was amazing. When he stopped, does anyone know what 2008 happened? Oh. He, he, it took him six years before he could even find a career job in his field. He was working three part-times just to try to keep afloat. And he still... Paying that debt off. My father took a home equity line out, true, to help pay off some private student loans he had gotten that were charging exorbitant interest rates where he just wasn't making any traction. Um, now, how many of you um, the the student loan debt is gonna is it gonna feel overwhelming? How many of you feel overwhelmed by that that idea? It it can it can feel that way, right? Okay, so what do we do about it? First off, you got to develop a plan. Dave Ramsey, does anyone know who he is? Okay, if you know who Dave Ramsey is, he'll help you 
do the basics. He'll help you do the nuts and the bolts. Nuts and the bolts to be able to build a financial house. This book, honestly, will help you start to build that financial house and introduce you to a world. Now he talks on, if you're a freshman, sophomore, get this book at this conference. The five mistakes you can't afford to make in college. Because if, honestly, the track that you're going on is a missionary track, if that's the trajectory for your life, you can't be an overseas missionary with the assumptions of God and have debt. Which, and they do that for your benefit. Because it's hard enough being overseas. My, uh, my aunt and uncle were overseas missionaries and they actually got divorced because of being overseas. It's hard. So the two things, you have to have your faith, uh, faith in order, you have to have your finances in order. All right, nuts and bolts, um, Dave Ramsey, monthly, get a budget going. Now, budget is based on how much money you have coming in. But I don't have any money coming in yet. Wonderful. Now you get to set your plan on what's going to happen when money comes in. A friend of mine started his own 501c3 two years ago, three years ago now. And now uh, he, he, went, uh, he was a sales rep for T-Mobile doing business-to-business -business sales, making six figures. And he lived his life giving. He spent, now he's like my faith guru. Because he lives a life, his whole life is just faith. And he shifted to his own 501c3. And now instead of providing their business to business cell phone needs, he goes business to businesses. How is the spiritual atmosphere in your business? What can I do to help grow your. And do you know what happened? His income didn't change. But he had to set up a plan for how to spend his money. And so he said, uh, every dollar that comes in, I he gives 20%. He sets it aside and gives it. He sows a tenth into the house where he's fed. And then he sows a tenth into expanding the kingdom. And then he saves a tenth to work on the, the uh, business stuff. Um, Conferences, every missionary that was here, we, we paid for it to be here. I paid to get to talk to you guys. Like, not just for the hotel. But um, I was actually, I actually wasn't the one who started this class. I was filled in because the person who was going to do this class had a death in the family, wasn't going to be here. I got called last week. And since I got signed up for this class to share with you guys, I've had both cars in the shop and both kids sick. <laughs> my brakes went out on my van. Then I had a heater hose go out on my, on my forerunner. So I'm trying to leave on Saturday to come up here for the retreat. My brakes are done and I'm driving my, heater, my, my van with the heater hose spewing stuff out, smoking to the shop because I don't have another vehicle to get there. Now, Guess what happened while I was here? I, I pick up my car from the shop and I call up a friend of mine. And he says, oh, it's fortuitous that you called today. 
And I said, why is that? He says, because I'm trying to do my end of year giving. And I need to know your contact information. I said, well, I'll email with you when I get home. That's the face side. The cost is all hell comes against you as a missionary. The face side. God says, as the enemy comes in like a fun, I'll raise up a standard against them. Right? Now, how did I weather that, though? Because I didn't get a paycheck from when I said yes to when I said when I came here. How did how did how did that how did I manage that margin? Every dollar that comes in, I have it divvied out percentage-wise, and I save every time. <clears throat> Does that mean some bills are late? Yes, some bills are late because I have to save. Because I don't know what the enemy is going to try to throw at me. And like the, the, the generous donation that this guy gave me for end of year sells it in my account yet. And I need to have uh, the resource God's already provided that uh, will help actually manage that time until his next set of provision comes. And so percentage budget. Every dollar that comes in, I portion out a percentage. Some goes into savings. Some goes into sowing. God gives you seed for the sower and bread to eat. Mm-hmm. Problem happens when you sow your bread or when you eat your seed. You know what happens when you eat your seed? You don't have a harvest. When you sow your bread, it gets wet and you can't eat it. Right? And so that's a principle God gives you seed for harvest and bread for food. So how do you know when it's seed and when it's bread? This is where your journey with the Holy Spirit comes in. A friend of mine was uh, giving a for instance. He has a son who's a musician. And if he went out and wanted to bless his son, and bought him a custom guitar just like he always wanted. And this, he played with it one time, and then three weeks later, he sees another guy up there playing with this custom guitar that he bought his son. And he says, oh, I saw so-and-so playing with your guitar. And, this, and the son says, well, yeah, I gave it to him. How many of you know that dad's not going to sew in another custom guitar to his son because the son mistook the uh, bread for seed and sowed it. God will give you seed to sow and bread for food. And there are times where God just wants to bless you. And you won't receive that blessing and, um, uh, unless you know what that, what that um, unless you let the Holy Spirit be in control of how you spend your money and how you use your finances. So it's all a journey. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all truth. Now, debt snowball. Most of you have raised your hand and said, yes, I'm not going to graduate college debt-free. If you are going to graduate, make sure you have a plan now. You need, a, need the nuts and the bolts of the plan, go to DaveRamsey.com. He has free online stuff. Um, 
If you go to Anthony O'Neill, if you actually pick up this book, he's got stuff that's written for you guys with a DVD that gives you all sorts of information that will help you in your, in your generation. Dave Ramsey still talks about checks. People actually still use checks. How many of you have a checkbook? How many of you have never actually written a check in your life? <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm like, oh, man. We, we, we actually, uh, yeah, I don't have a checkbook. I don't, have, uh, I don't have any checks in my actual account anymore because I never use them, right? So uh, Dave Ramsey, Anthony O'Neill will, will help with, with uh, this generation. How many of you are um, actively right now ministering to freshmen and sophomore? This would be a great book to do as a book study in your small groups. Do you know why? Because, honestly, when you leave college and start your career, there, there's, you can choose fulfillment or production if you're debt-free. If you're not debt-free, okay, what am I going to do with this? I have to do something to produce, even if it kills my soul. If you, and you guys are on the missionary track. And if you have people that you're discipling as a freshman and sophomore, and you know in your, in your that, wow, God has his hand on this one, then as a good discipler, help them start their journey intentionally so that they can be free. Now, I heard a story this weekend of a, of a, a missionary associates, and he made it through college totally debt-free. He was super excited. He married his wife, $40,000 in debt. And they both felt called to the missionary. And so because they had this debt, though, they're like, okay, I'm debt-free. We'll go help plant this campus, and I will start and she'll work at a job and help assist. And then once her student loans are paid off, then she'll come and join us. You know what God did? They were talking, and um, as they were planning out their plan, like uh, sharing their plan, raising their budget, they had a donor pay off all of her student loans. The guy's like, "That wasn't even in my wheel well. I didn't even, I didn't have it in my radar that God would actually do that, but God does that." Now, they're both debt free living in and doing what God's called them to do, right? And the kingdom is advancing as a result. Now, honestly, God wants your campus to be reached more than you. God wants your... He wants His kingdom to come on earth. And there's... There is, the news will say the world is getting worse and worse. Racial division is worse and worse. It's worse now than ever. Uh, uh, anger and frustration and, and it feels true, right? 
But do you know what God has up his sleeve? See, God's already won. He's already, his plan has already been accomplished in eternity, right? And as the world says, oh, we're getting worse and worse, God says, oh, no, I've got salt and I've got light. And they're you. You're the salt and the light for this time, for this place. There's a little itty-bitty verse that's said in the New Testament about King David. You guys ever heard it before? I pray this over my son very regularly. It's when Stephen is giving his testimony about David. And he says, David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation. And I go, oh God, that I could be one that fulfills your purpose in my generation. And it starts with two things. One, having the faith to say, yes, God, I'm going to live my life unto you as yours, as a steward to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, right? And the other side is I'm going to generationally live my life so that financially my son and my daughter will be able to say, well, God's called me to go to the unreached people group in this area of the world and I can say, I bless that go. You guys heard uh, USC does it. They did that breakaway. Um, Let the lamb receive the rewards of his suffering. Have you heard that song before? It's amazing. Um, you have? Oh, yeah. It's, um, but that, that's a, a, a phrase from the Moravian Knights or Moravian uh, missionaries who sold themselves into slavery to win the slavers to the Lord. And they're saying goodbye to their families as they're heading off on the slave ship overseas. And they're waving to their families and their families will probably never see them again. And one yells out, let the lamb receive the reward of, his, of our suffering. And they sell themselves into slavery to win the slavers. And you go, God, I want to be one that generationally can make a difference to expand your kingdom. And I'm willing to pay the cost. Help me to have the personal fortitude and discipline to live a life that I can not only expand your kingdom in my generation, but that generationally, my kids, I can do what you call me to do now without having to lose my family. That was my heart. Um, I grew up and I went to Evangel. If you're Assemblies, Evangel is the liberal arts school in Missouri for the Assemblies of God. And PK's there and MK's there. And do you know what? They were some of the worst heathens on campus. Because their parents were expanding the kingdom at the cost of their family. And I didn't want that for, for, for my family. 
because we got married. Uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're doing good. Um, we we got married, my wife and I. Um, I was 24, she was 21, and I graduated school. And I come home, and I was training to see if I could go pro because people had said, hey, you should try to go pro. So I had a good time in college and did decent. And um, we had some people, other people from my class who did end up going pro, and they're like, we should try that. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so I, I went home to train, and, um, and I, I kind of got back in the groove, and I, I was a student leader at school, and then I came home, and I just kind of stepped in with the youth group and was helping lead a co-group, a co-lead a group with the lady who is now my wife, for high school kids at my parents' house. And uh, I was working out and I was training and I was trying to get ready to go pro and my uh, one of the other youth leaders says, hey, you want to go work out? Well, he's like 29, 30, 31. Not in any sort of shape. I'm training to go pro, but I was like, sure, we'll go work out. And as we're going to work out, he's like, so how's your love life going? I'm like, what love life? What are you talking about? And he said, well, what about your, what about Krista, my wife? And I said, well, she's a good girl, but here's what I need to have in a wife. Because I'd have my list. You have a list? <laughs> Who has a list? Okay. I have my list. And I said, here's what I need to have in a wife. And I laid it out there for him. And I listed off the list. And that next life group uh, at my parents' house, I could tell that my, my co-leader was having a little bit of uh, tension going on inside. And I said, hey, if you need to talk, let's go on a walk. I was in a nice little neighborhood, and we could go on a walk. And there is a good walking neighborhood, and so we go on a walk. And this is the first time that she really kind of opened up herself. She starts listening like word for word. about herself, like, and it's like my list, I was just check, 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 check. <laughs> and by the end of this walk, she had listed talking about herself, all these little things on my list, like word for word type stuff. And I'm like, and I'm getting mad. <laughs> because I thought this guy had gone behind the scenes and just kind of spilled my list to this girl. But he hadn't. And I was like, and, and, um, and so I was like, well, I need to look into this, right? <laughs> and so we were uh, doing ministry together. And um, we, we had our Thursday evenings was when we kind of had our, our ministry team meetings. And this Thursday happened to be February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, I think. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> and so I said, well, since you're not busy, because we were both going normally go to that group, why don't we hang out together? And just as friends. Right? Why don't we hang out together? We had already had our conversation, like, and so she's like, okay. Sure. And so I'm like, okay, let's go to the beach. Because I was grew up in Florida, so it was like 45 minutes to the beach. There's a nice little seafood restaurant uh, right by the beach I was going to take her to. And I'm on my way over there, and they're like, I should bring a flower. So I stop, and I get a yellow rose. I thought it was a yellow rose. It wasn't a yellow rose. It was a yellow rose with the top little leaf was tinged red. 
You know what my wife said? She was praying before I came over. She said, Lord, if this is my man, then I want you to give a tie-dye rose. I want him to give me a tie-dye rose. Just one tie-dye rose. I didn't even know it was tie-dye. I didn't know there was such a thing as tie-dye rose. <laughs> I just went to the gas station, Truth. Picked up a yellow rose because I was like, I don't want to give her a red rose yet. We're not officially even dating, right? This is our first date. And a yellow rose with a red top. So before we even boyfriend and girlfriend, we're like, this could be like super serious, right? Now we have been friends for a good long time. And and we administered together. And and um her heart, like legitimately today, we've been married only 16 years in four days. And she still has people from her small group when we were doing it together 16 years later that she can call up and she, they, like they're still in communion. They're, she's still pouring into them 16 years later, even though everyone has their own kids, their own family, all that fun stuff, right? And so we get married. And three years into marriage, we say we're going to wait five years. And uh, three years in, they say, let's not try to have kids, but let's just stop not trying to have kids, right? Because mm -hmm. trying to have kids sounds so. It just it, it, there's a lot of pressure there, right? <laughs> so, uh, so we stop not trying to have kids. We're still doing what, what it takes to have kids, but just, we don't have any kids. Two years, three years go by, four years go by, five years go by. Now, five years in, we're like, what is going on? I mean, we're doing our part. God's just not doing his part, or so we thought. Well, it turns out my wife had some health stuff going on, and her body wasn't allowing her to get pregnant. She went off gluten a year later to the day almost. We get pregnant with our first kid. So now, 10 years into marriage, we finally have our first kid. And one of the things that was on my list is I wanted someone who's going to be a good mom. Because I wanted to be a good dad. Five years, uh, ten, no, uh, 10 years into marriage, we finally have our first kid. And I'd been a youth pastor that whole time and having fun and God's doing good stuff. And now I have this little one. And I'm like, wow, God, you're so blessed. And my whole church blows up because the pastor ended up having an affair and the whole church blows up. And, and, and the journey gets all sorts of tragedy in there. And, and you're like, whoa, right? And so I'm not, I'm not, the, the church doesn't even exist anymore. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Um, and I'm like, okay. Um, and then two years later, my daughter gets born. And I don't want to minister at the, at the cost of my kids because I waited so long to have my kids. And God's so kind. We have our prayer team in our last, uh, kind of our initial meeting where we, we're sent out um, one of our prayer, prayer partners. 
God, um, God's this ministry that you're stepping into. Now we've always done church work. This is our first missionary experience. This ministry that you're stepping into, God's doing it because it's not going to be at the sake for the sake of your children that you're going to have to do ministry. You're going to be able to have it all. Raise the family generationally. The, the things that we want to do, bless, bless generationally my kids. We're not going to have to forsake my kids to do what God's called us to do. And I'm like, yes, Father, that's exactly what I want, right? And has it been easy? No, it's not been easy. But margin has helped a lot. Money that comes in. So I have this donation that's coming in. I already have it apportioned out. This apportion is going to be for our, our, our bread right now. But I have seed that I'm sowing. And seed that I'm saving. And then bread that I'm eating. I still have car work that has to be done. That bread that we're eating is paying for car work. There's still some bills that got to be caught up. The bread that we're eating is going to help catch up on those bills. God, the faith factor is when the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up a standard. He has the cattle on a thousand hills. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're his instrument to fulfill his purpose in your generation. Faith is cornerstone for what you're going to do. Leave and cleave. Your parents may not get it yet, and that's okay. My parents, they said, sure, come on, $50 a month. I was like, wow, that's awesome, thanks, right? And then um, as we started doing it, now they're, my parents are one of my biggest supporters. Do you know why? Because over time, I've continued to honor them, and they have a heart for, to see what God's doing. And they're one of my biggest supporters now. It's not just $50 a month. It's not a token. But they're, they're like, and like every month, hey, is there anything you guys need? My dad calls up. Is there anything you guys need? Oh, no, no, we're okay. Or if there is, then he, then he supplies. My dad's one of my biggest cheerleaders now. It wasn't that way when I was just graduating college. I didn't know what, what Mario was talking about honoring, it's, it's, it's legit. Your parents love you. They may not understand, but God will actually use you to influence them too. As you honor. Um, we're doing good on time. We got six minutes left. I've shared a bunch. My story, um, I've shared some nuts and bolts, and I've actually pointed you in the direction to get a lot more of the nuts and the bolts. What I have in here is a debt snowball. Do you want me to tell you what that is? Yes. How many of you have more than one student loan? The parent plus count. Okay. How, uh, yeah, well, and how, yes, okay. honoring your parent. How many have credit cards on top of that? How many of you have more than one payment going out each month? As far as debt payment, the, all the debt snowball is is 
taking your uh, taking all of your debt and listing it out, right? You uh, you'll see on the back some some of that. As you list it out, the idea is: um, how many of you have ever built a snowman before? Like you you roll you roll. And as you roll, every time you roll this little snowball over, what happens? It gets bigger, right? It picks up steam. So the debt snowball is this. You take all your debts from largest to smallest, and you list it all out. How much you owe, how much your monthly payments are, right? And the one that's the smallest little snowball, you keep making all of your minimums. If you're trying to sew a little bit here, more extra there, oh, I have 10 extra bucks, I'm gonna pay off my highest balance. I say, no, no, don't pay your highest balance off yet. Let's build some momentum in our snowball. And so you pay off all your minimums, right? Mm -hmm. And then any extra you have left, you put on the smallest debt. And instead of trying to pay off the highest interest rate or trying to pay off, uh, you throw everything you can at that littlest debt and see it quickly. In three months, four months, you can pay that smallest credit card debt off or whatever it is, right? And then you take the money that you were paying on that smallest credit card, $22 a month or whatever it is, right? And you then take that along with whatever else you can find that you've been throwing at that little $22 a month credit card and you combine it to attack the next credit card. Say your next payment is $36 a month, right? And so now you're paying $36 a month plus the $22 a month plus all the extra that you were trying to throw at that. And all of a sudden the snowball goes from the little bell-sized snowball to the beast-sized snowball, right? You guys seen the movie? And, and you're throwing big snowballs at this debt and knocking it out. And the whole idea is to start to build momentum so that within a year, you're not just paying 12 payments, but you're taking big snowballs and throwing it at, at these larger debts. And instead of paying your minimum payment of $48 a month on your next credit card, you're paying $300 a month on that credit card. And do you know what happens when that happens? Debt get knocked, gets knocked out quickly and you build momentum in your own self. Because sometimes, how many of you honestly feel overwhelmed by the debt load you have? It's okay. I was there too. You don't have to be overwhelmed. The Father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You're His instrument to do this. And there's nuts and bolts that'll help you do it. So my heart for you guys was to, uh, to help build your faith. To help you start to uh, you're on your journey to, uh, to get a plan for your finances. If you don't have a plan for your money, your money has a plan for you. Right? If you don't have a plan for your money, your money has a plan for you. Your roommate, hey, they're having a special over here. My mother-in-law is the worst. Oh, they're having a sale at Belk's today. Okay. That's great. Well, I'm going to go shopping. Okay. That's great. Do you want to go? Uh, I'm okay. 
My money's already been apportioned out. <laughs> um, some other nuts and bolts. Uh, the, the two big things for me that helped me get a handle on my finances. I didn't really have any. Um, the envelope system. Envelope system is in, in, your, in, your, in your percentage apportioned out, you actually pull out. Because guess what? Your clothes are going to get wore out. So you apportion out part of your part of your percentage for your clothing, and you put that away. And then when Belk has a sale, you pull out your clothing envelope and you say, "Oh, I got forty six dollars in there. Come on, <laughs> let's go see what we can do." Right. So, uh, um, and then having a weekly picture, a monthly picture, and a yearly picture. If you have a house, every year you have to pay your property taxes. If you're not ready for it, all of a sudden, here comes an $800 bill, and you're like, oh, hmm. So you, you, you have a small micro picture. Weekly. Okay, I'm going to have to eat this week. It cost me $132 a week to eat. Not really. Um, my family, I have four, so it costs more than $132 a week. Um, cause in my, in my food budget each week is my laundry detergent, my cleaning supplies, all that stuff, right? It's all, it's all, uh, I get it at the grocery store. I put all that in my food envelope. Now, sometimes for me, food, I like to think of in a monthly category instead of a weekly category. Yes, I have to eat this week, but not every week do I need to buy the five pound bag of rice. I can buy that about once a month. Okay. So I, I, I try, to, try to have food in a monthly category. But on the 6th of the month, this bill is due. On the 18th of the month, this bill is due. And so in my weekly budget, because I, um, uh, I know that this bill is coming up. If you can get monthly, uh, one of the nice things is if you can figure out your monthly budget, you guys, uh, if you're going the MA route, get paid once a month. The envelope system is going to be a big deal because all of a sudden you have, oh, $2,000. Whoo, that's a lot of money. Not for the whole month. So you pay your big bills, right? Then you, uh, uh, you set aside money for food, gas, clothing. Uh, it's clothing, transportation, um, food, clothing, transportation. Um, and then for us, I have a little blow uh, envelope. Uh, and we put money in there. Why, why do we do that? Because invariably someone's going to want to get coffee. Well, where's that money going to come from? Is it going to be, I'm going to take in my food budget? I don't know. No, no that, that's out of my blow budget or out of my ministry budget. You, you apportion, this is, my, this is my money for ministry. Now, how do you do that? Well, it's percentage wise as you're coming in everything that God's bringing. You, you sow and you know what fields you need to sow in. Does that make sense? So, God will give you the wisdom to order your finances. God is a God of extreme order. He will give you that wisdom as you lean into Him. Dave Ramsey gives you verbiage. Uh, envelope system, that's one of Dave Ramsey's things. Uh, debt snowball is one of Dave Ramsey's things. 
Um, and then legacy building is also one of Dave Ramsey's things. But if you don't have a plan for your money, then you're just going to blow it. If you don't live with margin, then you're going to use your credit card as your margin. And that you, that is that long term is not a good plan because credit cards like picking up a hot coal to try to warm your hands. Yeah, it'll be warm for a second, but if you hang on to it for too long, it's going to burn you. Right? Credit cards are the same way. Yes, credit cards um, they can be a tool but only as you are disciplined in using them. Dave Ramsey's like, don't even touch them. They can be a tool, but your personal discipline, if you're using it as an emergency fund, if you're using it as uh, your, your gateway between the two, uh, between where you have now and what, you, what, what, you, uh, what your needs are now, if your credit card is your solution, it's going to be your downfall. So, um, get a plan. God, God has faith. But do you know what? Do you know why I believe that God blessed that 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 that, that, that couple where their donor paid off all their stuff? Because financially, they were already disciplined. There have been people who have sown, this is my own personal story, who have sown. And there's a, there's a little Proverbs verse where they sow money in it and, and there's holes in the bottom and it feels like the money's just never getting in there. God has some people on a discipline journey first. Once they're disciplined, then he can bless and it is a blessing. It's not a catch-all. Because God generationally cares for your kids, even though they're not even born yet, more than you do. Generationally, he cares for his kingdom to become, come to pass even more than you do. Generationally, he cares for you even more than you realize. So God wants to use you to fulfill his plan. God wants you to grow as a person, to be able to handle the blessing he wants to give you. Because blessing before it's time is not blessing. My grandfather financially was blessed, quotation marks. But it wasn't a blessing because generationally, it, my dad didn't have any financial acumen. Everything that he learned, he had to learn himself through mistakes. And he passed on to me what he knew, but I'm still making mistakes. I don't want to pass on to my kids my mistakes. I want, to, I want my legacy to be born a blessing. And God wants that for you and your family as well. Let's pray. Father, your heart is to see your kingdom come here. Your heart is that there's not one that should perish, but that all would come into a right relationship with you. 
The world seems to be getting darker, but that's why we're here. You have you've set us in this time, in this place, to fulfill your purpose. And you have each of us on a journey. For those who you're growing discipline in, help us to submit to that, that training and growing. For those of us who are already disciplined, help us to see your blessing. God, take each of us step by step by step by step so that we can fly with eagles instead of running with horses. That we'll be able to be said of us like it was said today that we fulfill your purpose in our generation. And that the world is different because we were here in Jesus' name. Amen. That last little thing in my prayer was Jeremiah. Jeremiah, God, uh, he's going through a hard time. And, and God says, Jeremiah, I've called you to fly with the eagles, and yet you're struggling running with horses. Some of you, he's called to a lot bigger calling than you even realize. But he's got to grow you into that person. Finances are a big way that he wants to grow you because where your money is, there your heart is. I appreciate you guys. If you have any questions, I'm sorry. I was hoping to be a little more interactive, but we were storytelling, so yes. So for the envelope system, that would be like you take out cash and You could. Um, there's also electronic versions of that too that they talk about. Um, Rachel Cruz, Anthony O'Neill and Rachel Cruz, she has an envelope system digitally that apportions it out. Does that make sense? And that, um, my wife likes the digital version a lot better because she doesn't like carrying cashes, cash around as much. She likes a little bit. Any other questions? We have one minute. Good ideas. Was this good, helpful? It was really good. good. I'm so glad.